Let me take a, a moment and, and thank you, our guest, a Connection, for uh, continuing to lead us this morning. And also take a, a moment in welcoming some other guests, Reverend Obed Ochuani and Brother Martin Odindo, both from Kenya. Reverend uh, Ochuani is the senior pastor at the Buru Buru Community Center and Church of God in Nairobi, bishop of over 200 congregations uh, in uh, Kenya. And uh, Brother Martin is ministry assistant to Reverend Walter Laitema, and they travel throughout Kenya overseeing all aspects of training in the church. They are here for the International School of Service put on by EMI and are being hosted personally by the Clippards. So, uh, Brother, thank you for being here. Please stand and thank you. We are glad you're here, and please send our uh, heartfelt greetings to our brothers and sisters in the Church of Jesus Christ in Kenya and wherever the Lord might lead you. Thank you. We had some other visitors to our community this, uh, this last week. It was the folks from Extreme Makeover. And as I read articles and saw video on the internet and other places, couldn't help but think and recognize that Extreme Makeover is a wonderful illustration of what we're celebrating today. Baptism. An illustration of the extreme makeover that we have in Jesus Christ. If you've read the story, then you probably know more than I do about the Akers family living in Westchester. They have two girls or two younger children who are of a debilitating disease that keeps them in a wheelchair. They're both elementary school children. And uh, they were unable, up until this week, to even enter their old home on their own power, let alone even maneuver around it at all. They were pretty much slaves in their own home. Extreme makeover finds out, and they, in the course of a week, tear down the old home and build them a brand new one. It took them a whole week to what God does in an instant in us, where He, at the cross, in His Son, destroys our old home. And in the power of the resurrection, builds us a new one for us to live in the newness of life. And and that is what baptism is all about. Our first passage this morning is Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4. And then we'll turn to Colossians chapter 2. But Romans is found on page 917. Chapter 6, verse 3 and 4. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore, we have been buried with Him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. 
in Colossians 3 on page 957. Starting with verse 1. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourself with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, Circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free. But Christ is all and in all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Clear in our passage here, in both Romans and Colossians, that baptism is to be that that symbol of of us joining with Christ, literally partnering, combining, connecting with Jesus in His death and in His resurrection. That is why baptism by immersion is such a great symbol of the new life in Christ that we find present here. That we die with Christ and then are raised into new life. Which we will experience at about 10.20 today. We, As you saw in your bulletin, we'll have five individuals in the congregation baptized by immersion in the atrium so that we can share it together for those in, in both uh, services. We will gather in the atrium and there celebrate the baptism of five folks in this uh, congregation. It is this baptism that is the symbol of our salvation, of our forgiveness. Paul makes it clear. We have been buried with Him by baptism into death so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. Verse 6, part we didn't read. We know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body of sin might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. In Colossians, just before what we already read, chapter 2, verse 12, when you were buried with Him in baptism, you were also raised with Him through faith in the power of God who raised Him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with Him when He forgave us all our trespasses, erasing the record that stood against us.
our brokenness, our sin, our selfishness, our laziness, our greed, our lust, our anger, our addictions, whether they're socially acceptable addictions or not, whether they're addictions to work or to drugs or to to TV or to sex. In Jesus Christ, as we are immersed in Him, as we die with Him, whatever that sin and brokenness is forgiven, it's erased, it's hammered to the cross. If we join with Christ in baptism, then we join with Him on the cross, and our sin and brokenness are joined with Him, are hammered to the cross, and there they die. Forgiveness is ours. Salvation is ours. That is the essence of Jesus' message. That's the essence of His life, of His death, of His resurrection. That is the reason that we gather every Sunday. It's the reason that we have a time of forgiveness, of assurance of our forgiveness, and sharing the peace of Christ with one another every Sunday because we know our life is found in Him and only in Him. That God does the work of making us alive with Jesus in the power of His resurrection. There are some here today that wandered in because you're tired of fighting the battle on your own. That you've seen your own brokenness. You've looked in the mirror and you've seen your fallenness. You've seen your sin. And and you can no longer beat it on your own. It's beaten you. You're tired. You're worn down. And there's just nowhere else to run. You've come to the right one. Let today be the day that you live out your baptism And you die to that sin. You die to its power and you die to its guilt. You join with Jesus spiritually in dying to whatever has its hold on you. Let it go today. At the conclusion of the service, there will be an elder that gladly, if that's... is you. And you need to share with somebody your, your brokenness. Simply receive from them a prayer of, of forgiveness, of salvation. There'll be an elder. Gladly meet with you and pray with you in the prayer room, which is just off the hallway. Or, or if it's such that it is wearing you down now, and right now, you don't want to wait till the end of the service, then go on. You can go whenever you're ready. Go in, in, into there now and, and I'll stop and go pray with you if nobody, no, if the elder uh, isn't here yet. And we'll make the rest of us wait. It's just that important. This is the extreme makeover that Jesus has for us. The, the Akers family had absolutely nothing to do with building the house. They didn't paint a lick. They didn't hammer a nail. They simply showed up. The bus moved. And the celebration began. 
Because the old had been totally destroyed and the new had been built. And that's the reality that we celebrate in baptism. Now we have uh, some folks who are going to help us illustrate that reality and the instantaneous nature of that reality and just how all of life it is. And I'm going to ask for the ten of you that were given cards to, to stand. And when you stand, then turn around and face the people face to face. And uh, what they're going to do is hold up one card. Yeah, you go face them so they can see you that has your name on it. Dave, it's all on you over here, brother. Okay. There's just one over here. And that, that, that is their individual name. And on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to say your name, first and last name. We'll say it together. One, two, three. Drew Smith. And that's who they are in the flesh. But in Christ, they are baptized. They are baptized into the name of Christ. Their, their last name no longer identifies them. Their ethnicity no longer identifies them primarily. Their background, their history, even their, their, their last name, their family name no longer is their primary identification as they've been baptized in Christ, as they have died with Christ and been raised into new life. Their new last name is now of Christ. And if you'll switch cards... Ask that we'll together say our first name and then our new last name together on the count of three. One, two, three. Drew of Christ. The end of the Colossians passage is exactly what we're illustrating here. Just how radical a change baptism brings that each of these folks that are standing up before you, in their baptism, their identity was changed. They were given a new primary identity, being of Christ, being in Christ. So much so that their last name was changed. We've talked about this the last couple weeks as we've talked about patriotism and politics that in Christ we have a new nation, we are a new people, we are a new priesthood, and we even have a new name, that we are of Christ. You may be seated. For anyone that is baptized, that is the case. Even our last name has been changed. God has made us alive with Christ today and every day forever. The outward sign, baptism is that outward sign of an inward reality, of a spiritual reality, of an eternal reality, of our extreme makeover. Well, if that's the case, why is there still difference of opinion about what, how we baptize in the Christian church? I knew you were going to ask that, so I thought I'd Head you off at the pass. And take just a little bit of a moment as we talk about this summer what we believe, what we believe about baptism. Why is that the case? Why is it that some use a whole bunch of water, some use just a little bit of water? And does it matter? 
Well, part of the reason that we have the, the struggle, the, the difference of opinion of baptizing adults or baptizing babies, is that the book of Acts isn't long enough. doesn't give us enough history. We're, we're, we're not given how the church in the Bible deals with second generation, third generation Christians. There is no instance of the New Testament of either infant baptism of children of believing parents, nor is there a New Testament instance of adult baptism when they're the children of believing parents. We just don't go long enough. The the biblical material doesn't give it clarity. We have to make a theological extrapolation. Have to make a, a doctrinal decision based on our understanding and doctrine. How do we understand how Baptist how baptism best works? Those that are Baptist flavor, they look at New Testament instances of baptism and they see, for the most part, all adults at their con- conversion. So they focus in their baptism on our receiving God's extreme makeover in our lives. For Presbyterians, for those who have reformed theology, baptism is not primarily about our decision as much as it is God's action on our behalf. We focus on God's extreme makeover that's real for us through the power of the Holy Spirit as we unite with Jesus Christ. Now there are, of course, you know, I mean, I'm Presbyterian, you know, I'm going to get the last word in. There are two cases in Acts chapter 16, both Lydia and the Philippian jailer, where we're told they came to Christ and they and their household was baptized. But we're not told who their households are. And again, this is not the case of Christian parents having a baby. This is the sense of of Christian converts. I mean, Lydia and the Philippian jailer were adults and they were converted to Christ. And when they converted to Christ, their whole household went with them. So we, in our heritage here, encourage infant baptism and the Christian nurture of all throughout life. The Christian nurture of then teaching the children that are baptized, the babies that are baptized, how they live out their baptism. How they, in their life, continually put to death sin. They join with Christ's death on the cross, and they put on the new life that they have in Christ in the power of His resurrection. But our heritage here is that we recognize that... uh, those options, different provisions in the church. And we recognize that there are Baptists who know the Scripture and follow Jesus with their whole lives. Just as we know there are Presbyterians, believe it or not. Methodists too. Who know the Scripture and follow Jesus with all their lives. And so we allow for both. And today... We will join with five in their more adult believing stage, being able to profess the belief within them 
as we immerse them in baptism, recognizing their life in Christ. Because what we care about isn't that the way we do baptism be just right. What we care about is that however we do baptism, it unite us one with the other. And it unite us in the power of the Spirit in Jesus. That as we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the triune God, we trust and know that God in God's power will unite us in Jesus And lead us to follow Him in the power of the Holy Spirit. The real question is not how were you baptized. It's never asked that I can find in the New Testament. Nor is it ever asked particularly how were you saved. The real question is are you living out your baptism today? The real question is are you living out your salvation today? Are you living out your baptism or are you stuck in some of the death of our sin and brokenness? Are there ways that we are denying the power of the Spirit because we want to keep a part of our lives for ourselves and we don't? We're just not ready to step out in faith and give all to be immersed in every way in Jesus. That's what's important. And that's the point that Paul is making in Colossians chapter 3. If you've been raised with Christ, then seek the things that are above, verse 1. Set your mind on the things that are above, verse 2. Put to death whatever is in you that is earthly, that is not of God. The most important thing in baptism is that we recognize just how revolutionary an act it is. It is an act of rebellion. And we've domesticated it with water and babies or fighting over should it be with adults or babies. This is an act of revolution that we undertake when we're in baptism because we're saying we refuse to follow the ways of the world. We will follow the ways of Jesus Christ no matter what it costs. That's the revolution of baptism. And in our culture, it's become so domesticated. Heard a story from a pastor, Jim Dennison, who spent some time in Malaysia working with the church, a Muslim land. And one of the girls of the community came for baptism. And she came with her suitcase packed. And Jim, a young missionary, asked the pastor, why did she bring a suitcase? And to which he, sort of without shock, said, well, because her dad said if she got baptized, don't come home. See, it wasn't just a nice, cute little act to give us new last names. In Malaysia... The church understands that when we're baptized in Christ, we are given a new last name. 
And it meant for that village girl that her suitcase was packed and she never went home. It's a great story about Sam Houston. A millionaire, billionaire before there were a million billionaires. Who, when he was baptized, made sure that his wallet was full and in his pocket. The pastor told him, yeah, take your wallet out. He goes, no, I want to baptize it too. <laughs> Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it well, when Christ bids us come, he bids us to come and die. To die with Christ so that we might live a new life with Him. There's absolutely no way. Believe me, I've tried. I've tried to figure it out. Is there any way to get to the resurrection without going through the cross? And you just got to die before you can be raised to new life. There's no other way to it. And so what I ask for us today is to consider what are the ways that we are not Dying with Christ. What's the part of us that we're leaving out? That we're holding out of the water? What's the part of us that needs to die so that the Spirit will bring new life? This summer we've had a number of challenges and I wonder, were they just nice words or boring words? Or has the Spirit used them to really impact you to die to self and to live with Christ. We've talked about the Bible being like dental floss. Some of you remember that. Well, that was fun and it was nice, but my question to you is, are you reading the Word of God more today than you were three months ago when we talked about it? Did it really make a difference? If not, then it's worthless. We've talked about this summer being a prayer. Are we joining with God in serving the world? Have you been praying that? If not, then it's a waste of time to to talk about it. Have you been praying that? Have you been seeking that? Have you been dying to yourself so that you might be raised to new life to join with God in serving the world? Is that real? Last week, we talked about ways that we are challenged to find, to pursue justice for all people. And again, we were challenged to listen and pursue the way that God has for us. Has that been the case for you? We were challenged um, in the last year as we looked at outflow. As Bart Campolo stood here just a year ago to challenge us. Just pick one person that God would lead you to. To simply love Him in the way of Jesus. We've been challenged from here because most of the people that connect with this church join because of impersonal means, not personal. It's not by personal invitation. That people are are connecting here, it's because they know the history or the reputation, they see the sign or the website, all good stuff. But not because some of us have reached out and invited. And we've just heard a great chance upcoming with the block party and worshiping outside for a great chance to do that. 
I mean, those are just a number of those specific ways. If they're true for you, if they're ways that you have felt God's Spirit lead you and raise you up into new life, in just one of those, then hallelujah, praise the Lord. Receive that as God's wonderful gift of the Spirit working through you to live through you in baptism. But if it's not, why not? How is it that you're denying the truth, the reality of your baptism? What what I I want us to do is to renew our baptismal vows here. Should be words in your bulletin or on the screen. And then I want us to take two minutes of silence. So that it's not just going through the motions. But that this plants a seed for us to to truly ask, how are we living out the revolutionary words of baptism? How are we, what, what in us needs to die with Christ? What in us needs to be raised to new life? Let us affirm what the folks will be baptized in 30 minutes are going to affirm. Let us affirm what was affirmed at each of our baptisms, maybe not by the exact words, but certainly in their intent. Trusting in the gracious mercy of God, do you turn from the ways of sin and renounce evil? I tell you, let's stand up and say this together. Trusting in the gracious mercy of God, do you turn from the ways of sin and renounce evil and its power in the world? Who is your Lord and Savior? Jesus Christ, Will you be Christ's faithful disciple, obeying His word and showing His love? I will, with God's help. Let's be seated for two minutes.